You know what I did not even an hour ago? What'd you do? I scarfed down an entire rotisserie chicken for dinner. You ever done that before? I haven't. <laughs> I've known people who have, though. And the people I know that like a rotisserie chicken really like it. So I'll tell you, man, sometimes it's just a great meal. Skin and all. Oh, my goodness. Just devour that thing, dude. This is preceding film, episode two. This is Heath Anderson along with Drew Watsky. Drew, before we get into it, I'm curious. Is there anything good you've been watching recently? Yeah, I watched a, a Netflix show recently called The Night Agent. It was really good. It, it's kind of a FBI secret service kind of White House drama. Um, it was one season, 10 episodes, and I watched the whole thing in like two days. So it had me on edge. I'm going to go a different route, a lot more stupid. I'm going to go with the Ted prequel series. I've been watching that. <laughs> and I got to say, pretty funny. It's oh, yeah? literally live action family guy cutaways and all it's seth mcfarland's voice it's seth mcfarland i recommend it it's uh a little raunchy but uh it's funny it's funny so i give it i give it two thumbs up have you seen the ted movies i have it's been years since i've seen the ted movies but i remember liking them granted i was what 14 when i watched at least the first one so that's like the prime age i'm 23 now but i'm still laughing at at ted content can't get enough of that teddy bear man you know, the only thing I've seen from Ted is the scene in Ted 2 when Liam Neeson's buying the tricks at the grocery store. And that cracks me up. I think that's the funniest <laughs> thing. Because <laughs> it's his character in Taken, right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about these two films, man. Let's talk about these two films. Uh, both Shane Black movies. The first one we're going to talk about is The Nice Guys, followed by Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And we're going to start with The Nice Guys. It made $62 million on a $50, $50 million budget, which is not terrible. Us guys that love The Nice Guys, we're clamoring for this movie to be the first movie to ever make a trillion dollars so we can get eight sequels to this thing. Drew, this movie came out in 2016. What is your relationship to this movie? So I remember seeing the trailer for The Nice Guys and being like, that looks really good. And then somewhere in the area of three to four years passed before I actually saw the thing. (laughs) But I think it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And this was my first Shane Black movie I'd ever seen. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. But based on the trailer, I was like, this looks like a like a 70s era era buddy cop movie. And that's exactly what we got. And it's just it's super fun. I think Ryan Gosling had a blast playing (laughs) You know, in this movie, you can tell he's just having such a good time. And Russell Crowe is a great compliment to his energy. Fantastic movie. Yeah, no, I agree with you. First time I saw this movie was on a plane. It was an overseas trip. And I remember I took a Dramamine before I watched this movie. So I almost hallucinated whilst watching it. Didn't even get to finish it. But I was like, oh, my goodness, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So it took me a few years to actually rewatch it again. It finally came out on Netflix, I think, when I was, what, a sophomore or junior in college. Watched it again, and I was like, this holds up. I was correct. This movie is awesome. And what I like about this movie is anybody that's seen it, you know, you know, it, it, it could be described as a cult classic. Because there's a little bit, there's a little hive of us that have seen this movie. And everybody that's seen it is like, oh my goodness, you've got to watch The Nice Guys. So what is The Nice Guys? You nailed it on the head. It's a buddy cop comedy movie starring Russell Grow, 
Ryan Gosling. They're private detectives in the 1970s L.A. Russell Crowe gets hired on to stop these people from following this one girl while Ryan Gosling is hired to find the niece of this lady as a private eye. Those two cases come together and they end up in this huge conspiracy involving, I think, the Detroit auto manufacturers (laughs) who are and this is this is the true true bit in the movie who are trying to stop a porno movie from being released because it has evidence of them tampering with catalytic converters to make them cheaper, but they're also environmentally harmful. Now, let me talk about this for a second. I do not condone porn or anything like that, but in this regard for this movie, great setup, great setup for a movie. The porn star goes missing, and Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe have to find this girl. It's a a great setup for a movie. Follows a lot of hijinks. I want to ask you about the, the chemistry between the two guys. Why do you think it works so well? Because these aren't necessarily comedic dudes. We'll get into some of their backgrounds here in a bit, but I just want your your first thoughts on why this pairing works so well. I think Ryan Gosling's shown that he he can be really funny. We've seen it on SNL, and we've seen it in some you know, like uh, Crazy Stupid Love. You know, is a comedy that he's in, and and like I said, I think he had so much fun with this role. And then you have Russell Crowe, who's like definitely not known for his comedy prowess he's gladiator having russell crowe be kind of just like a stoic hitman style guy that ryan gosling can just bounce off of the whole movie i think it it's just such a great clash of like personality types and you can tell when shane black was writing it that that's exactly what he was going for and i just feel like the the two actors they they play it beautifully they know exactly what to do yeah i think it helps behind the scenes these guys like each other a lot when they were doing press tours like you could tell they were just having a lot of fun with each other yeah staying in character like russell crowe was the straight man ryan guys yeah. the guy that annoyed him but it was still funny them working with each other right or russell crowe actually signed on for this movie because ryan gosling had already signed on for the well, how about that I mean, I feel like that just doesn't happen in movies. You know, it's like the the casting process is usually very like siloed and it's the director who's like, I want this person, I want this person. And so it's not very often an actor is going to be like, I want to be in that because I like this other actor. But clearly it worked out. (laughs) It worked out. And you talk about Russell Crowe, obviously what you're saying, you know, super serious role. And he gets, he is sort of the straight man in this comedy, but he gets his funny moments, right? So like he he sure does. There's that scene where he is going to Ryan Gosling's house because Ryan Gosling is the guy that is following Margaret, Margaret Qualley just because he's on a case. But after he beats him up, breaks his arm, he walks out and he's talking to his daughter and she's like, do you want an apple? Or actually, she says, do you who? And he's like <laughs> eating an apple. He's like, oh, yeah, I do. Throws the <laughs> apple into the garbage, drinks the you who he says me he for you who like it's just it's just dumb little bits like that that, that make it yeah. work. Or like at the end, uh, this get, this has me rolling every time I watch this movie. So at the very end, they uh, they meet up in that bar, and Ryan or Russell Crowe, his character, does not drink at all for the entire movie. But then at the end, he's drinking, and R- Ryan Gosling goes, "Hey, at least you're drinking again." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, great." <laughs> Such a '70s thing to say, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, the, the writing in this movie, there's there's so many bits that you can talk about. But yeah, R- Russell Crowe is great, but. For me, and, and I'll go ahead and give my MVP, it, it is Ryan Gosling. 
funny career turn that he took into this movie. You know, before then, he was known as sort of this stoic figure. You think of movies like Drive, mm-hmm. Place Beyond the Pines. You know, he did Crazy Stupid Love, and he he got to be a little bit more like that. But at this point, he's the Drive guy. Like people, yeah, the Drive guy who he barely says a word in that movie. The Notebook. The Notebook. Yeah, he's like this heartthrob in The Notebook. And I guess before then, he was doing he was doing some bit parts here or there. He was on the Mickey Mouse Club as a kid. Did Lars and the Real Girl. I don't know if you ever saw Lars and the Real Girl. I recommend when we do when we do our drive episode, it's going to be probably a four part, three hour each episode of me just talking about drive. Okay, but I'm so you're sitting on a lot for drive. (laughs) But, you know, even in some of those more comedic movies like Crazy Stupid Love, he's not doing this. He's not doing this this slapstick goofball comedy routine that he's doing in here. Like he's got several physical comedy actions when he's doing the narration at first and he's talking about his job as a private eye. And he's like, you got to think on your feet and he's going to break into that bar late at night and he punches through it and he cuts himself, you know, in the physical action of him saying, Oh, that's a lot of blood and him passing out almost. Uh, That's just funny stuff. Or when he, his whole scene where he's at that party and he starts drinking and they're trying to find Sid Shattuck. His whole thing is hilarious. Like him swimming with the mermaids at first. And then he finds that one girl and he's like, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. And she shoot fake shoots him and he falls off <laughs> down the hill. And then he sees the dead body of Sid Shattuck and he can't even speak. <laughs> it's like, it's like two full minutes of him just pointing and just being like, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. It's just, it's great stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a great performance. One of my, probably my favorite Ryan Gosling performance. And I want to talk about this. We'll talk about it a little bit more with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, because I think the story in that one is a little bit more confusing. You've talked about this and, and mm-hmm. we'll talk more about it at length when you get to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But the story doesn't necessarily matter in this movie. You no, know, it doesn't. What what I think works in this movie, it, it could be any sort of story. And they just base it in 1970s L.A. as two private eyes. But what works in these movies is the two main characters feeding off each other like they're doing here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? No, it, it really doesn't matter. Like, the, the end goal is not what matters in the nice guys. It It truly is the journey it's just about these two guys going somewhere and it doesn't really matter where they're going right as long as we're having a good time watching them have a good time that's a five-star movie in my opinion. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean for me the mvp of the movies the style just the the 70s era and the outfits that they're wearing and the music and the it's the old cars and the fact that everyone's smoking like three packs a day throughout the whole movie. Like it's just, I love that era. I love the seventies and I think they had so much fun throwing it back to then because they were like, how ridiculous was the (laughs) seventies? You would just have these, like these porn stars who were on billboards (laughs) in downtown LA. Yeah. Families driving by, right? Yeah, was missing, and everyone knows about it. <laughs> I think the term "period piece" probably would seem a little bizarre for the nice guys, but I really think it's such a a cool encapsulation of the '70s and just that sort of I don't know that disco swagger that was going on. 
you, you capture, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. It captures the seventies perfectly well. It definitely is a period piece. Even at yeah. the 30, what is it? Earth, wind and fire is playing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Earth, wind and fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally earth, wind and fire in there. It's, it's a, so, some movies that go back to the seventies and even movies that were made in the seventies, they look real grimy mm-hmm. and for as dirty in some aspects as a movie as this is the atmosphere is not grimy at all. Like it's actually like, it looks like a place you want to hang out in. It is. It's very sleek. It's very uh, stylistic. I love, I love the way that this movie looks. I think, I think it's a huge step up from kiss, kiss, bang, bang like that. If I'm looking at one big comparison, I think this movie looks so much better. And I don't know if he got a new cinematographer or what, but uh, Shane Black stepped up his game for the nice guys. Um, anything you change about this movie? I don't think there's anything I change. I think something that we kind of touched on was when, once you get to the climax of the movie, you kind of you're following this storyline and then you get to the end and you already kind of talked about it. It's this big Detroit automotive industry scandal. You're kind of like, what? And also okay. you're like, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, that's right. not what I was super invested in. So if you're looking for like a, I've seen some people call this like a mystery in in the aspect that Ryan Gosling's a PI. So if you're looking for it to have a big, cool reveal at the end, like a mystery, I don't think that's what you're going to get. But that's just a matter of knowing what you're getting into. If you're in it for just a fun buddy cop 70s movie, I think it gives you everything you want. You know, here here's my criticism. And this is actually not a criticism at all, but I'll explain what I mean by this. Too much star power. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's why. Here's why. Too much star power, which means it's going to be rare for this to have more content, right? Unless it's IP. So if it was, if we were watching Ant-Man, we'd get three more Ant-Men with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine an Ant-Man with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe as the leads? I don't know <laughs> how it would be. I don't know who would be Ant-Man. Both of them would be Ant-Man. Who knows? <laughs> but there, there's too much star power. In the fact that we can't get more nice guys, too expensive. Almost, <laughs> I almost want this to be a series that has six or seven seasons. But these yeah. movie stars—they're not going to do that for six or seven seasons, you know, right? Yeah, I would love to see them bounce off of each other for the next six or seven years of my life. But we're not going to get that. We might yes. get a second movie. I've heard they want to, but. Shane Black really doesn't make a lot of movies. He's coming out with a movie here in a couple years, and I think it's starring Mark Wahlberg and Lakeith Stanfield. And so this will probably be nice guys adjacent. I don't think of Shane Black as making sequels. Like, I feel like he's very much a, like a, I just want to make my original movie and then move on and make my next original movie. <laughs> Excluding Iron Man 3. Yeah. He doesn't make sh- sequels, but he makes similar movies. So he wrote Lethal right. Weapon, and uh, wrote Lethal Weapon. When he was twenty-two years old, believe it or not. But yeah, we've already we've already passed that. We we've missed our Lethal Weapon chance. <laughs> I can't I can't write Lethal Weapon anymore. I've got no, to do something else. You missed it. <laughs> I missed it by a year. Dang it, man! I was so close. That's sometimes I think about that. I see these actors and like filmmakers that are like 21, 22. And I'm like, I'm already late on the game. I'm, I'm 24 bar. now. I'm, I'm about to be in retirement age. Heath. Uh, well, you got a couple more years, maybe <laughs> 40. 
But hey, you're, I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at, buddy. Quick little sidebar. How old was Paul Thomas Anderson when he directed Boogie Nights? Um, 27. Bingo, my goodness. Honestly, I thought he was younger. <laughs> Do I get a point or something? Are we keeping Yeah, yeah. It? Put it we'll put it on the board. Is there a whiteboard in there? Put 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 a mark on the board for you. I just I'll just put a sharpie on that piece of art over there. <laughs> we'll get you we'll get you a prize at one point. But we're not talking about Paul Thomas Anderson as much as I want to talk about PTA at all times. We've we, we now mentioned him in each of the first two episodes. We'll see if you can bring him up in every episode. <laughs> That's a good recurring bit. I think I'm gonna keep that in there. We're talking about Shane Black, man. We're talking about the nice guys, and we'll talk about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang here in a second. But I do want to—I do want to know what is your favorite scene from the nice guys? Yes, yeah, so we were talking about this earlier, and it turns out that we both have the same favorite scene, which is pretty cool. The <laughs> bit. Okay, I'll try to set it up. So, at one point, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe are, are driving. They've secured this briefcase. And they're driving back home. And Ryan Gosling's like, dude, I am so tired. I could fall asleep right now. And then Russell Crowe's like, go ahead. And he's like, what do you mean, go ahead? I can't fall asleep driving. And he's like, it's a self-driving car. Just let go. And you see him like, let go. And the car is, keeps going. And But right before that happens, they're talking while they're driving. And Russell Crowe's like, I've got this cool ankle gun he like pulls his sock up and he shows the ankle gun ryan gosling's like dude that's sick we find out later that ryan gosling is just asleep at the wheel and he's dreaming this because he's fallen asleep while he's driving and then fast forward 20 minutes later there's this intense scene where they're held at gunpoint by one of the bad people and ryan gosling while they're both hands up in surrender just falls down and starts grabbing at Russell Crowe's legs. And he's like, where is it? And Russell Crowe is just like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the ankle gun. And he's like, I do not have an ankle gun. And he's like, oh, did I dream that? And he's like, yeah, you definitely did. It's such a good joke. I mean, great setup. It's It lands so perfectly. I was howling. It was just, it's a classic. Yeah, that's what makes this movie, I think, one of the funniest I've ever seen. All the jokes have a setup that have a payoff. Nothing is cheap. Yeah. I mean, th that's a joke that they set up for a good 25, 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, right. And it has a hilarious payoff to it. Good call. Man, so once you took that, I started thinking. I was like, ah, oh, what can I take? And I can talk about the bathroom scene where they finally join forces and Ryan Gosling is in the bathroom with his pants down around his ankles. I could talk about the porno party that they go to. And Ryan Gosling gets drunk and he does several bits that are just really funny. But we already talked about that one. I think I'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card here. I think I'm going to go with when Margaret Qualley's character is at his house and they saved her. And she's finally telling them about the movie they made to uncover the, the conspiracy by the Detroit auto manufacturers. And she's trying to take it all seriously. She's like, oh, we made a really important film. And Ryan Gosling keeps saying it, it's a porno. And she gets all mad. Like, it's not a porno. She starts yeah. yelling about it. He goes, you know, I have neighbors. And I think yeah. Margaret Wally does a great job in this movie. Also, we got to give shout out to the daughter. The daughter of Ryan Gosling in this movie is great. She's funny. She's mm -hmm. a good actress. And, like, she carries her own very well in all in all these parts. You know, she is um, the lead in the new Mean Girls movie. You're right. Yeah, she's the the main character, whatever her name is. 
He's Lindsay Lohan. He's Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she no, she does a great job. The fact that she's so like mature beyond her years, and her dad is this like just like a dweeb, and she's just calling him out on his crap all the time. It's hilarious. There's that one scene where she's like, "You're terrible at your job." He goes, "I got a cool ad though." Shows her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ad on the refrigerator. Oh, you know what else? What, you know what other scene I could have gone with? And I, you know what? I think I'm gonna switch to this one. Okay, so do it. The hotel. They're trying to find Margaret Qualley's character. They go to the hotel. And they go up the they go up the elevator, have this whole bit in the bar first off with the guy trying to get info if anybody they know is up there in one of the one of the floors. Okay, he grabs the guy's tie, like hits his face on the bar. He goes, We can do it the easy way or the hard way. Actually, I think we're currently doing it the hard way, is what is what Russell Crowe says. <laughs> they go up the elevator, they open the door, they've heard about this basically this assassin that the Detroit auto manufacturers have hired. They open the door, they peek out. Dudes are getting killed. They can't even see this guy. Played by Matt Bonner of white collar fame, by the way. They quickly look out and then they quickly go back in silently. Elevator, they go back down, see a guy get thrown out of the elevator, out of the window. <laughs> it's just, it's a funny scene, man. Like, we, I could talk about so many different scenes in this movie that are so watchable and so funny. And I'll tell you about the finale, even though I didn't really feel like I was like, I don't really care what the point of this is at the end. The action in the finale cracked me up. I don't know if I was supposed to be like, this is really good action, like on the edge of my seat. It felt just more like physical comedy to me, just like ridiculous. People are falling through glass and they just kind of keep going <laughs> Specifically, Ryan Gosling's character right. <laughs> starts up, you know, they're in that shootout and he's behind the car on the Lazy Susan, closes his eyes and he's like, OK, I'm going to get out and I'm going to try to shoot the bad guy. The Lazy Susan has already turned around where he's exposed and he turns around <laughs> the opposite way of where he's supposed to go. It's good action in the fact that it, it it's comedic action. So when yeah. another part of a shootout, Russell Crowe is like, Holland, gun, throws it wildly out the window that's just funny because that's that's a subversion of expectations right you think he's gonna perfectly throw his partner the gun throws it out the window to where he can't get it anymore but you're right yeah the action through and through is it's fun to watch it's not necessarily good choreography in john wick style right no you can call this movie an action comedy and when i hear action comedy i think okay so there's good action in it and then there are are scenes that are comedy this is like they are the same thing. This is one word action comedy where, where the action itself is funny. You hit the nail on the head, dude. I recommend it to everybody I talk to about movies. I'm like, you got to watch the nice guys. You got to watch the nice guys. Had a buddy that watched this movie for the first time a couple of weeks ago after me and another mutual friend have talked about it for years. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. We're like, we've been trying to tell you, dude. <laughs> yeah. This is not Shane Black's first go at it. Obviously, we talked about Lethal Weapon. He, he does this. He does these these buddy comedy movies. He called them, I, I, I watched an interview with him talking about the connection between these two movies and calls them comedy capers, which I think is great because they're hmm. not cops, so you can't call it like a buddy cop movie necessarily. Right. But he, he does comedy capers. And he came out with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in 2005, comedy capers starring Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. Who at this point, I think we're both kind of in a weird sort of a limbo. 
in their careers. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. had struggled with had struggled with addiction for a long time and was almost unhirable in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. His buddies with Shane Black. Shane Black said, all right, I'm, I'm going to get you in this movie. And this was kind of Robert Downey Jr.'s return. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this movie comes out and then a couple of years later, he starts filming Iron Man. And RDJ kind of has this second part of his career. But this, this movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, is the start. And he's paired with Val Kilmer, who at this point, big in the 90s, big in the 80s, had Top Gun, had Heat. Mm-hmm. Kind of got in a little bit of a lull. Not known for comedy. No. <laughs> These guys are great in this movie. There was a quick instance, apparently, where it was going to be, believe it or not, Harrison Ford in the Val Kilmer role. And Johnny Knoxville of Jackass fame. In the Robert Downey Jr. role, Ugh. completely different movie. <laughs> yeah. would have been talking about how much he hated it probably for the last twenty years now. Uh, but what is your what's your relationship to this movie? You saw this movie before I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it a few years back because it was a Christmas. I don't know what year, probably like twenty nineteen or so. And I was like, I've seen all the Christmas movies. I've seen Elf. I've seen A Christmas Story. I've seen Christmas Vacation. Or what, what are Christmas movies that they have Christmas in them? So we can call it a Christmas movie, but so I don't have to actually watch a Christmas movie. Somehow I was able to translate this into a Google search and it shot back at me. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Great. I'm all for it. So I watched this like Christmas Eve night one year in my room by myself because I was like, I've had it with the Christmas movies. And I remember liking it. And I remember being confused when it ended. I liked it. I don't really know what happened, but I liked it. So then I rewatched it for this uh, like a week ago. And Heath, I got to tell you, I had a very similar reaction when I finished it the second time. (laughs) Great movie. I I think I know a little bit more about what happened. I still can't tell you for sure everything that happened, but it's a good time. It's super fun. It's, it's got the same kind of it's, it's these two main leads who are really playing off of each other. And the the chemistry between the two leads leads to a lot of, a lot of funny moments. I, I think the setup to kiss, kiss, bang, bang is genius. Robert Downey Jr.'s character gets cast in the, this movie because he happens to just run into an audition on accident after his partner gets shot in this robbery or not robbery a theft and his partner just died so he's like in panic mode and then he runs into an audition and they're trying to cast for this person who is like a detective and his partner just died and so he like nails the audition that he doesn't even know he's doing and it gets cast in the movie it's it's so funny. Yeah, the producer is like, he's method acting. We need to get back to this kind of this kind of <laughs> right. He's just he's terrified. He's gotten shot in the arm. He's I like I like the part where the cop runs in when the audition's going on. He's like, Hey, good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of a it's a weird it's it seems like a commentary on actors and Hollywood mm-hmm. in that how much do they try to draw from real life versus how much is acting? You know, I, I think it it's a little bit about actors taking themselves a little too seriously to get ready for a role a little bit mm-hmm. yeah i watched this movie for the first time last week had never seen it but i've been told if i like the nice guys i'll definitely like kiss kiss bang bang and that's true i did like the movie robert Downey jr plays harry val kilmer plays gay perry 
because he's gay. <laughs> really just has a lot of has a lot of punchline jokes with that. So like, many. When they're when they're captured and he has the groin gun. He's like, nobody ever looks there. It was a good movie. What I what I think about it compared to the nice guys is it's kind of the prototype of the nice guys. You texted me while you were watching it and you said, dude, this is the nice guys. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like even the way they bounce off of each other is the same thing. Similar story beats. There's mm-hmm. even a mental figure that gets his daughter killed, mm-hmm. which is the same thing that happens in the nice guys. Obviously written by the same, written and directed by the same guy. But yeah, can you explain the plot a little bit to us? Because I, I am still a little fuzzy. You've seen it more times now than I have. Well, I'm gonna throw that on you because it is it's a it's a story that doesn't necessarily have a lot of substance. But like we're saying, if it's a fun time with the two main characters, we're along for the ride. Right. For the first 1.5 viewings of this, I <laughs> thought Val Kilmer's character was also an actor. And it didn't it took me like midway through my second viewing that I was like, wait, I think he's like a private eye. He's a private eye. <laughs> hired by that this movie studio to help mm-hmm. actors get into character. So yeah. Robert Andrew comes along with him on one of his private eye jobs. Yeah. So, and, and then because of their training, they kind of get thrust into an actual murder mystery type thing. And the murder mystery has a bunch of different twists and turns, but the, the basic premise is that they they were sent out to go investigate this thing. And then, of course, someone dies while they're investigating. Meanwhile, Robert Downey, Harry, instead of saying all of Robert Downey Jr.'s name consistently throughout this, I'll just say Harry. (laughs) Harry's, like, childhood crush from, what is it, Illinois, Indiana? I think it's Indiana. (laughs) She's now in L.A. as an actor, and he kind of runs into her and then something about what's going on in her life seems to be connected to the investigative thing that they've got going on and so now she's kind of along for the ride that's a very bare bones way to describe it but that's that's the premise that's about as understandable of the plot as i have as well (laughs) i i really think that shane black wrote it all out on paper and he was like this is good and then they started filming it and it was like i don't know if this is translating well but the two main leads are hilarious so it's fine (laughs) they bounce off each other yeah it's a real this is like rdj's audition tape i feel like for iron man as well because you know he's doing that sort of snarky confident sarcastic character here Mm -hmm. amps it up a little bit for iron man yeah kind of a womanizer yeah a little bit he's a little bit more sweethearted if that makes sense in this mm-hmm. one he he wants to protect harmony that's his childhood crush's name what's your mvp of kiss kiss bang bang i think the whole kind of story about who val kilmer's character is who uh rdj's character is um I, I i love their story of kind of like their backgrounds and how they've ended up together and I think I'm peeking ahead at your MVP. So I think we're going to have some overlap. It, it's just a really fun story. I think Shane Black really, when he was writing this up, was like, this is going to be a lot of fun. And it is. It's a, It's just a really cool kind of adventure that they go on. Again, 
don't really have to fully understand everything that's going on to have a good time. Yeah, my, my MVP is the chemistry between the two leads, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. Who knew they'd be so good together? You know, you got to give a lot of that to the writing of Shane Black here. I mean, he's proven it now countless times. The man can write this mm-hmm. kind of story between two lead actors like this. And so it's his wheelhouse. And, and it, it, the good thing is he he gets his actors to buy in. Like Val Kilmer is bought in with his character. Robert Downey Jr. is bought in as his character. And it just works. It just works. Criticism, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but you can kind of get back into it, what you were saying. The mystery part or the, you know, the case they're trying to solve, it's a little convoluted. I think it would have benefited from it being a little bit simpler, a little bit streamlined where you're just like, okay, this is what's going on. Let's see if we can figure that out. Um, There's just, there's a lot going on. You've got the rich guy who's hosting the party and his daughter went to France and now she's back in the country. But then meanwhile, you got Michelle McGonaghan's character and her sister who is in LA because she told her that that other guy was her real father. <laughs> used to be an actor and they did a movie in Indiana where they were from. I think it's what it is. Right from that hometown where both of them are in Indiana. It's it's a lot. And then at the end, I was trying to piece it all together. And I, I there were definitely still a couple of questions where I was like, well, what was that? Wait, wait, did they ever answer that question? I don't know. May they might have. No, it was and it, it almost had too many twists and turns. Like at first you thought Michelle Monahan's character Harmony was killed, but then it wasn't her that was killed. Ended up being her <laughs> sister. And then Corbin Burnson's character his daughter, like you're saying, came back, but it ended up being a double. He hired another lady to be his daughter because she was either killed or sent somewhere. I can't remember exactly. But right. I, but like as I'm saying it, yeah, it kind of gets jumbled up in your head. And, and it's a movie I would I will probably watch again. Just requires a lot of rewatch, which there's some fun in that, too. There is. And you know what? I'll probably do it next time. I'll probably do it with subtitles because I'm sure there's a lot that like if I could see it, I could read it. I was like, well, that's what they were talking about. The, you'll just read the novelization of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang <laughs> and you'll you'll, get to, you'll figure it out. Speaking of novelization, there's also this whole side plot with this author and like all of his mystery crime books that he writes. Heath, I can't explain to you what that actually contributed to the plot. <laughs> Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is kind of a neo-noir, right? Right, yeah. Old detective books that Harmony is a big fan of is sort of a neo-noir in and of itself. Or excuse me, not a neo-noir, it's it's a noir in and of itself. So it's kind of an homage to those old pulp books that we're talking about here. Apparently Ian Fleming, the guy that wrote James Bond, talked about his books, the James Bond books, as Bang Bang Kiss Kiss stories. And there you so, go. even the title is an homage to those sort of that sort of literature that mm-hmm. I think he's trying to draw from old old detective stories. I think is just the the trope that he's going for. There's there's some Hollywood commentary going on that Maybe probably went over my head. Yeah, <laughs> we're still working on it, man. This is episode two. We'll get better with episode our episode two. Notes. We're just gonna get better. There's also a robot man that falls out of harmony's window and kills himself and also there's a commercial with a cgi bear it's a it's a, like a beer commercial 
It was the only commercial Harmony was in, I believe. And shout out to Michelle Monaghan. She also does great in this movie. She does. I'm used to her being Ethan Hunt's, you know, wife in hiding in from the Mission Impossible movies. So this was this was something a little different from her for me. <laughs> See, I'm used to her being Marty, aka Woody Harrelson's wife in True Detective season one, which is a <laughs> completely different tone than Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. She's playing a completely different character. So she she does great. She's fun. She's funny. Mm-hmm. Bought in, like all of these characters are in Shane Black movies. Which one are you going to take, though? As we kind of as we kind of wrap up here, are you going to take the preceding film? And let me just tell you, proceeding all only works if you're talking about a court case. So the proceeding is only a court. Well, case. We can't do that. Shoot, you take the preceding <laughs> film or the newer film, as I'll say it. <laughs> the preceding film or the newer film doesn't have a nice ring to it. We'll work on it. I'm a I'm a newer film guy this week. I I like the nice guys better. I think, uh, I think it's a fun atmosphere. I think it's I think it's shot better. It's hard to say which of the two leads is better, but Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe are just hilarious together. I could watch those guys. I really genuinely hope they do come out with a second one because I think they would just have another blast shooting another movie together they're they're hilarious but night really too hive we will be there front row night one i will buy 60 personal tickets myself we're getting this thing a third that's what we're doing that's the goal but i'll tell you what i think so last week i loved both of the movies we did uh both of the michael lewis ones moneyball and big short this week it's a smaller margin to me from nice guys to kiss kiss bang bang because they're so similar just the plot and the the different notes that it hits, very similar. But I'm going to take Nice Guys. What about you? I'm going to take Nice Guys, too. We, we said it a little bit earlier, but it's just, it's a more refined version of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, and, it is. And I do like the duo of Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe a little bit better than I like the duo of Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr., it's just it's it's the more fun movie. It's the one I'm gonna go back and rewatch. Like I like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Don't get me wrong. And I might later in life get to a point where that becomes a more rewatchable movie for me. But right now, like I, I honestly could just turn on the Nice Guys anytime and watch it and still have a blast every time. So I, I'm gonna take the Nice Guys as well. And you know something that I think a big point of why we're doing this is to see if movies we really like where did they draw influence from? And I feel like you can tell Shane Black, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was a movie he wanted to do and he did really well. But I think you can tell that in The Nice Guys, kind of like you said, a more refined version, I think he learned it's it's the same kind of movie, but there's a few lessons he learned about how to make it better. And I think that shows. It's like The yeah. Nice Guys, there's a lot of things about it that are a little bit better that he probably learned after doing not just kiss kiss bang bang but all of these what did you call them comedy capers he's just he's just getting better it's also just a little bit tighter too Mm -hmm. in dialogue story pretty much everything it's a tighter movie nice guys five star movie for me on letterbox speaking of which drew we got to get you on the letterbox man we got to get you on on letterbox you're on letter wait or do we do we follow each other on letterbox (laughs) we really should probably yeah we'll figure that i mean yeah we we should probably do that that would be great Nice guys, kiss kiss bang bang. Two great Shane Black movies. I've had fun talking about them. We've agreed on first two episodes, which is the better movie. Eventually, 
there's going to come a week where we disagree and then we're going to have to kind of fight for which one we think is better we will see what happens man but maybe great minds are just going to think alike every time we just we just know which one's the better every time the interesting thing was last week it was the preceding film it was moneyball (laughs) or big short this time it was the newer movie nice guys over kiss kiss bang bang but who doesn't love moneyball like uh, you know i mean come on that's not fair that's not a fair fight (laughs) not a fair fight at all appreciate you and uh we will see you guys for episode three still to be determined. So we'll see you with the info later. Thank you guys for listening.